Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Movies in the Mirror. I'm Tom Brown, and joining me, my good friend and cousin, Arthur Brown. Hello, hello. So, what is the point of this podcast, you might be asking? I'm probably are asking, having just randomly downloaded it. Well, I think we've all had that experience of watching a film in childhood, or at least when you were younger, and forming a particular opinion of it. And Absolutely. Then, I know, and then revisiting it sort of much later... And it's like you're looking at it with completely different eyes. I mean, it looks like the same film. It sounds like the same, but it's essentially a new movie. I've had this where I've put a film on and said, this is amazing. You've got to watch this. And then ended up apologising to the person halfway through the film. <laughs> I going, think that was me, wasn't it? I At least probably, on a few occasions. I, I, I didn't want to name and shame you up, but it may, it may well have been you. Yeah. Um, it, probably that's where the idea from the podcast came from. But so in a nutshell, some films are as good as we remember them and some aren't. And mm. the reasons for that can be entirely random. So what Art and I are going to do each episode is select a film that we haven't seen for a long time maybe about even 20 years, and then see how it compares to our memories of it. And full disclosure, before we start, at the time of recording, I am 41. And Art, how old are you? I am 39, pushing 40. Still in your 30s, though. <laughs> Still in my so 30s, holding on. Just cling on that for, that, sure, for a few more months. Or so. Yeah, and, and I was going to say, I think the other thing that, that came built, built us up to this point, Tom, is um, it, we had a really interesting conversation about how desperate you are to hold on to your memory of a film particularly if you've liked it yeah and that and that tension between but i really liked this as a kid i can't possibly <laughs> not like it now and we were so curious about that we just thought wow let's see how this goes so i mean given our ages i think we're probably going to be focusing on stuff that we saw in our teens or early 20s but we'll, what we'll do is we'll goldmine <laughs> an absolute goldmine of stuff yeah i did watch a lot of crap in that period but i, I watched some good stuff and showed too. me a lot of crap as i recall <laughs> Well, I mean, I'd like to say that I'm largely responsible for your film education. You're, you're the scholar. You're the scholar. <laughs> Thank I'm, you very much. I'm, I'm the, the member of the great member of the British public, I think. That's what I'm here for. So we'll do a brief introduction now and then we'll go off and watch it and then come back and give you our fresh thoughts. This is literally a live experiment and no less exciting for it, I'm sure. And we'll also, just to give you a little flavour, we will recall before we watch it... Uh, any memories we may still retain from before the first time we watched it and, yeah. and our feelings back in the day. Indeed. And the film that we've selected for our first episode is Backdraft. Which Ron is Howard. It's an inspired choice. Ron Howard. <laughs> <laughs> this was your choice, I think. Uh, uh, yes, it was. It was. Uh, well, it came to me because on, the, on that very subject, Tom, I, I do remember watching this... Um, shortly after it came out so in the early 90s and and finding it all utterly thrilling uh, and very exciting there i am thrusting my cards forward very early on in the piece um but yeah you know and and i think that's why as, as we as the idea was forming for this podcast it it felt like a great fit because i i haven't seen it since um so I feel like I'm putting a lot on the line here. It's a good choice because <laughs> I think it's one of those films that a lot of people have seen once and never watched again. Mm. And that's not because it's bad, I don't think. I, I remember it being 
pretty good actually but mm. it's something that i've never felt massively compelled to watch again and probably wouldn't have watched again <laughs> if you hadn't said wouldn't it be a good one to do for this podcast uh, well thank you very much thank you. <laughs> as you mentioned directed by ron howard um who had directed by this point uh cocoon mm. yeah i'm not that fucked about cocoon <laughs> willow which is bollocks <laughs> i'm going to just put my card i don't the think i've seen one. willow but it sounds like i i shouldn't uh, shouldn't rush to uh, it's to download one those, that one a, a sort of swords and sorcery fantasy oh, it's got I val see. kilmer and um i can't even remember his name <laughs> the guy who it hasn't in, stayed with you has no, it? it really hasn't it really hasn't stayed yeah. with me he did splash as well which, oh yes which a lot of people like yes yeah mermaid tastic mermaid tastic yes. daryl yeah. hannah and t- early tom hanks <clears throat> yes absolutely but i don't particularly like some people do in fact i and parenthood as well oh gosh yeah which is probably the pick of the bunch of these early i mean career. this podcast could go on and on couldn't it <laughs> but but uh yeah many ron howard films yeah. that we could have chosen those are the ones you've heard of anyway those are the ones he made before backdrop i mm. was not a fan of ron howard for years and years and years i just thought he was a hack Mm, I, I've mm. softened my opinion uh, a little bit, even though he's made worse films since. Frankly, mm, mm. he did like the Da Vinci Code series. And, oh, uh, yes, of course. I always forget he directed those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he followed up Backdraft with Far and Away. Oh yes, which yes. is Far and Away the shit. <laughs> pun, pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> it's the film where where Tom and Nicole. Mm. stole each other's hearts isn't it in, in, r- in, r- r- in rural Ireland um, oh. it was filmed in the in the place because I'm half Irish the place my family is from oh. and so it had for about the first 10 seconds it had some local interest <laughs> and then rapidly declined is, is there no blue plaque on, on a high street in, in, in your vicinity no I had to vandalize <laughs> no. an ex-blue plaque no because interestingly this has got nothing to do with backdrop anyway interestingly because it's the same place that ryan's daughter was filmed and there's loads uh, yes. in the local town dingle there's loads of stuff about ryan's daughter not very much about far and away but uh, i've tried to forget if, that one. if that isn't telling you something i don't, don't know what is <laughs> there's no pictures of tom cruise with a pint of guinness in his hand in a local pub or anything like that there are plenty of that ones of robert mitchum like ryan's daughter but Anyway. Oh dear! So you know that's what, what do you remember about it, Tom? In terms oh. of uh, it was a while ago, and I believe you've you've declared that you've only watched it the once, as was yeah. to the best of your memory. It came out in '91, so I would have been sort of 13, yeah, maybe. May, I probably would have seen it when I was 14 or 50, because I'm sure I didn't see it in the cinema. I'm pretty sure it was one of those video rentals. Yeah, Re- remember them? I saw it on video as well. Yeah. I definitely remember that bit. I remember so little about it that I, I can't even. I can't even. I know Kurt Russell is in it, mm. and I know it's got a kind of sort of fiery effects of the fire when they open a door the fire goes and kind mm. of, that, that's it that's all <laughs> which, i remember which which sounds a bit rubbish when you try and recreate it but yeah but could wow us you never you never know i really obviously wow come back in the second half with a more refined impression <laughs> so i think with with no further ado we should go off and watch the film let's give it a try okay so i'll see you all in a couple of hours see you in a bit Okay, so we're back. We are back. Two and... 2017, I think it was. Feels like three hours and 17, that has to be said. <laughs> um, so so, so, so where, where do we start with that? Do we start with the fact that, that I was, I was agonising before, before you arrived about whether to, 
to rent or buy this particular yeah. uh, instalment of and our you podcast. Decided, you decided to rent it, and I said, you might regret that. Right? You should maybe <laughs> buy this film. Okay. In case I want to watch it again, I so think is... Uh... <laughs> we should say... It's Codswell at this film. I thought I was going to be cast into the role of defending this film. Um, <laughs> and perhaps I have been. But no, I, I, there isn't a lot to defend there. Yeah. Possibly that, that, you know, that there isn't a lot of computer wizardry used. There, is, there are some, some quite impressive fire-based special effects. Yeah, I think that was the, the uh, first fire-based scene where they go into a, they go into a building and, and basically, for, actually for no reason at all, they should have just stayed outside and po- pointed hoses We're not at the clear on the logic for, not, for the dash into the middle of the t- not, terrifying building. Not clear building. on the logic, but they're in the building and there's a yeah. really quite impressive fire-breaking-out scene. Yes, and, yes, and, that was quite exciting. And for all the time, you can imagine pretty impressive effects but i i remember you made an interesting point where you said it, it felt it, however many years ago it was that that, that 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 made up the majority of the film yeah and yet with the benefit of, of 20 odd years yeah there wasn't nearly enough exciting <laughs> fire there was very little exciting fire it's a bit like <laughs> jurassic park where you you imagine there's more dinosaur than there actually is i think there's some stat in jurassic park where yeah. it's actually there's only five minutes of dinosaur on so it's probably made that up but it's probably more than that but yeah. a lot of it is suggested and i'm, I'm not saying that that's that a generous drug. comparison i'm not saying I'm so, this is on the same level of jurassic park it's clearly not but there's a hell of a lot of really, really boring character exposition. It's just dismally written, the whole film. Yeah, film. we were remarking that the, the brothers in this particular odyssey... William Baldwin and Kurt Russell. Yeah, so the lesser spotted Baldwin, as I like to call him. Um, <laughs> what have happened uh, to William Baldwin? Has he been in anything for the last 20 years? Uh, rather distressingly, the only other thing I can think of that he's been in... It, also had Cindy Crawford in it, um, which which I know I don't know what happened to him because um, all I remember him being in is like early nineties. I remember flat, yeah. Flatliners. Yes, of course. Yeah, another film that is probably I remember being better than it actually is. I don't have no idea. I've not seen that for a future years, episode right? idea alert. Possibly. Uh, yeah. And, um, and Sliver, which was a kind of oh, sub yes. sub basic I, instinct kind of. I'd forgotten all about that. With, with um, Sharon, there's a good reason for that. <laughs> um, we mustn't gloss over the your outstanding ability to to <laughs> no to, intention to pr- of glossing predict over it. <laughs> predict some of the the, the most. Uh, what what would you call them? Sort of chest beating moments of excitement in this film. Um, do you want yeah. to pick out a few of them for us? Well, <laughs> I think I think probably the we were about five minutes into this film, and there's like a kind of prologue sequence where the person who would grow up to be the William Baldwin character, it, it's twenty years earlier, and he's out firefighting with his dad, who is he's a kind of big cheese in the fire department, and they go and yeah. put out put out a fire. And his father is is killed in an unexpected sort of, you know, the fire suddenly blows up or something and there's an unexpected... And he's unexpectedly killed. And I said, I 
I bet the helmet, his helmet falls into shot. You know when there's a car crash in a film and, and a kind of burning wheel ro- rolls back onto the screen. I, like, I bet the fu- that his helmet falls into the screen. And literally the next second it does it. And that set the tone, because all the way through. I can verify that, that you did definitely say that before the helmet appeared on screen. Um, and I, I did rather like the way that that was, that that was okay, because that was the, the build-up to a Pulitzer Prize winning shot yeah, yeah. that made life magazine so, yeah, so the, clearly that had to happen yeah the, obviously yeah, the child picks up the helmet and sort of looks at it in an anguished way and then the photographer snaps the shot yeah and there's a, another bit where the kurt russell character kind of runs out of a burning door clutching a child in slow motion yeah. which i also called um, uh, and as you pointed out as well very very little for for some talented female actors to do uh, no, none none at all just sidelined completely sidelined there are two tragically two, two female characters in the entire film uh, rebecca played by rebecca de mornay and jennifer jason lee both of whom are particularly jennifer jason lee really fantastic actors yeah yeah and fine actor the most thankless empty roles you can possibly imagine. I mean, she does her best with, presumably, with whatever she was presented with. But yeah. Yeah. And, and, as and, you described it, this film is a sausage fest. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it had a, quite a 90s character in, in that way, in the sense that uh, you remarked on just that that isn't the kind... You just wouldn't make a film like that no, in this day and age. No, not the slightest. It's, it's Top Gun <laughs> set in fire stations. This is it. We came up with it... The best we could come up with was a sort of bizarre war film, as you said, war film Top Gun hybrid in fire stations, exactly as you said. They're all Um, kind of like palling around. They're all kind of... The first time you see all these firefighters who are just the least appealing bunch of people that... And that you see them in a bar and they're all kind of going, yeah, yeah, and kind of like slamming down and high-fiving. And then you get them a bit later after they've come back from one of their fire missions... Back in back in the fire station, and they're all kind of wandering around in their underpants, fist pumping and sort of high fiving. And it's exactly like that bit in Top Gun. We're not firefighters, of course. Okay. Health warning. Um, but you you didn't you didn't get the sense that even firefighters then, let alone firefighters <laughs> now, would would be be able to identify with awfully much of of the content on display, and and quite a lot of shouty standoffs between the Kurt Russell and and uh, William Baldwin characters who who don't look like brothers. They don't look <laughs> like brothers, but they imply a fraternal issue by having this very toxic relationship. They start off by going, you know, bro, you got to... and then within five seconds they're shouting at each other. Um, mm. A really uninteresting relationship. Played very badly. I don't mm. mind Kurt Russell or even William Baldwin that badly, but they're mm. terrible in this film. Yeah, they're both yeah. absolutely terrible. Yeah, and um, it's, you were saying that the the early Ron Howard is it, you you tended to give a wide berth. Yeah. To um, and I can I can see why. <laughs> I actually I interestingly I looked up I shamelessly cribbed this from IMDb, but you can you can look up on on the profiles of individual films. They have an interesting facts section ah. so i looked up some interesting facts about, <laughs> how did you get on with that <laughs> well, they, they were they're about as interesting as the film i mean they're thin, thin on thin on the ground i mean it's the usual crap like sort of many of the actors did their own stunts or some mm. of the extras were real firefighters and, and the most mm. fascinating fact of all this is the highest grating film about firefighters ever made oh wow okay yeah. 100 152.3 million 
since since you ask. I mean, that's not yeah. that much. It's a bit of a feeble base, really. <clears throat> but we were remarking on on how little this film gets talked about, and I, I don't <laughs> think that's a I don't think that's a UK thing either. I don't yeah. I don't remember I don't remember sort of American or international critics saying, "Well, of course, if you're flicking back through Ron Howard's back catalogue." You mustn't miss this is out the one on. You should see. <laughs> you don't, it's a, I mean, but given the people who are in it, I, the thing I've yeah. totally forgotten all of the big name actors who are in this movie. Like Robert yeah. De Niro, yeah, who is the best thing in it, to be fair. Yes, but he's. I'd totally forgotten that he was in this film at all. Likewise, actually, and he's kind of he plays like this fire investigator who does this sort of he does this <laughs> he does this sort of stuff about you know philosophizing about fire. You know, so he's kind of like, there's one bit where he's talking to the William Baldwin character. There's a lot of personification of the fire. Yeah. And he's a bit where he, he sets the fire and then he's talking William Baldwin through about the, how you must understand fire. And he comes out of the line, the only way to truly kill it is to love it a little. Which, which I think is not true. Which we didn't, <laughs> we, we sort of were none the wiser as to what that meant, what really. That, well, you we? can just throw a bucket of water over yeah. it without loving it at all. Yeah. And then Donald Sutherland. Oh, Donald, yes, another, you know, big name, really big name. Big yeah. name. So Donald Sutherland plays, a, you know, someone who's been caught for his past crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I wasn't asleep for this bit. It was involved <laughs> in the, the death of their father, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a scene where, where they're right on the point of, of deciding that he's ready for parole. Yeah. And as you as you were saying, Robert De Niro <laughs> manages to just turn the tide of the whole hearing by confirming to the audience that in fact he still has this dangerous obsession with fire. Very, but it's sort of very, no one else has picked up on it. Very you know, unprofessional. And it's sort of like, well, but it's Robert De Niro, so of course he can do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and yeah, and 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 I remember also going harking back to when I saw it. The, being thrilled by the sort of um, the the breathing in and out effect of under the door, where you know you can sort of see a bit of the smoke or whatever, and mm. and that being quite scary and quite exciting, and you know it retains some of that scary excitement. But there's we are talking five to six minutes in a runtime <laughs> of two some two and a half hours. Yeah, the first couple of times <laughs> you hear it, it's quite impressive. But I think the worst thing about this film, it's not the actors, it's not the script. It's not the direction. It's the bloody score. Mm, yeah. Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, who has now got this reputation of being like one of the great composers in Hollywood. And he's and in does, the top five, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does all the yeah. Christopher Nolan films and he's, yeah. he's won Oscars. Well, I'm pretty sure he's won Oscars. And yes, I just if you if all you had to go on is this film, you would say this guy will never work again. It's just the most hyped up, over-emphasised, every single like emotional moment or dramatic moment is massively cranked up and over-egged. Yes. So that even scenes that potentially could have been good are totally drowned in this horrible, over-emphasised music. It's dreadful. Mm. Really mm. dreadful. Yeah. There's a funeral sequence which which is straight out of, you know, that sort of war film type setting theme you know mood etc and as you said with this this heavy heavy musical overwhelming music frankly and once again we get the foldy up flag bit um (laughs) which again you saw coming i have to give you credit where credit's due folding up the flag and giving it to the widow before the coffin goes down and the music is just swelling and swelling and swelling and it's yeah no Mm. no good at all so 
I've got to ask, Scott, if before you saw this film again tonight, what out of 10 would you would you have given it? Oh, gosh. I think, as I said, for the sort of excitey, fiery bits, um, excitementy, fiery bits, uh, <laughs> that's clearly, um, you know, official parlance. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I was probably sort of turning towards a... A seven out of ten, something like that. I mean, you know, a sort of exciting window into the world of, you know, cool American firefighters and it's all quite glam and exciting. Uh, Yeah, that didn't endure. (laughs) I think I probably before tonight would have given it maybe five, six if I was general. I don't remember Mm. it being brilliant, but I Mm. certainly remember it being better than this. Did you watch it with with people older than you or or contemporaries? Because I I, I admit I hold my hand up here and say I probably, you know, me and my buddies were, were, were equally sort of excited by the whole, oh, the firefighters and it's all so sort of exciting. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, I'm yeah. pretty sure I I don't remember any of my friends going on about this film, but that might be just because they thought it was bad. <laughs> I pretty much I'm pretty sure I saw it with one of my brothers. I would have been the right age to watch it. I, I but I don't know. I don't I yeah. don't have a me- I remember seeing it. I don't remember the circumstances at all. I would give it two out of ten now, maybe. I'm afraid to say that the runtime. You really yeah. felt the runtime. Really yeah. felt the runtime, and we're and, quite tired. I mean, yeah. we've, we've, we've this is this is live, folks. We're not live. Like, yeah, whatever they call it, quite, we have just watched the film. Yeah, it's quite it's quite <laughs> late, and I feel I was and I was feeling pretty lively earlier in the evening, and I'm yeah. feeling really knackered now, and yeah. I blame this film. We've had quite a lot of wine as well. It's not the stuffing completely out of it. <laughs> I thought you made a great point. I don't want to um, miss out on your other point as well about the. Um, the whole this the character who doesn't quite fit the mold <laughs> ends up in a in some form of makeshift accommodation. Do you want to tell our listeners oh, a bit yeah, more that's about right, that? Yeah, <laughs> there's always that. There's always that sequence in films where someone who is kind of like has been thrown out by his wife or he's hit the hard time. He's always living in a trailer or in this particular case, a kind of a boat which is not on the river. It's it's kind of just being propped up on the shore, and he's kind of and he's and he's living on the boat. Much to the chagrin of the yeah, canal yeah. and river trust. Yeah, yeah. And his <laughs> or, or it's American there. equivalent. <laughs> brother comes along. He goes, "You you got a pretty good setup here, you know." <laughs> and like, and like he chucks him a beer or something. You, you, the kind of thing you know you're expecting him to be sanding the boat or something when he arrives. Yeah. And, Was there anything about it that that it was better than you remembered. <laughs> well, as I said at the start, um, this is going to sound bad. The only bits I remember are the the fire sequence. Um, I mean, that's the best part of the film, and mm. it's probably about as good as I remember it being. But then I don't mm. remember it being that brilliant either. Mm. And then also a sex scene on top of a fire engine involving Jennifer Jason Lee and William Baldwin. Now that probably meant more to me when I was fourteen mm. than it does than it yeah. does now. But watching that teenage disclaimer, teenage on that one. disclaimer. <laughs> watching it back now, it's kind of, more it's, than a little bit of nineties choreography. Nineties choreography, well. <laughs> sort of late eighties soft lighting. Uh, Hans Zimmer once again disgracing himself with this horrible sort of like syrupy score. It's it, that's also terrible. So the the film are our stars and our star composers and stars gen more generally would 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 care to forget perhaps and I think probably have forgotten I, as I say yeah. no one ever goes on about this film and I just thought maybe maybe this is a lost gem 
and it's not <laughs> it's just lost <laughs> so, um, and, and as I said the final word so surely being along the lines of I'm glad I rented it which is which is never what you want to want to be talking about at the end of a of, of a nostalgic look back well maybe maybe we'll do better next time well anyway thank you very much for enjoying this film with me Art I, I'm sure, I'm it, sure we'll do better it's, next it's time it's been a pleasure I think uh, yeah. thank you for letting me suggest our, our opening number i might i might defer to something slightly yeah, yeah thanks for nothing <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. we, now we've got early ron howard out of the way it's surely plain sailing from yeah. here <laughs> well anyway um thanks very much for listening everyone uh if you like what you heard please like rate and subscribe to us on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts uh, also follow us on twitter and instagram uh, movies in the mirror and send us your comments and suggestions and maybe even some Movies that you might want us to cover in the future. Whatever they may be, they're probably going to be better than Backdraft, is my is my guess. Well said that man. Well said Thank that man. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye.